podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, after a week hiatus of Big Fight Weekly, we are back for episode 23 of the show, Powered4.tv, Big Fight Weekly, with myself, Stuart Palmer, and my cousin and co-host, Chris Hume. How are you, Chris? Really good, mate. How are you? Oh, good. And we have a special guest for the first portion of the show today, who is none other than the owner of Empire Grappling Events and the president of UK Fighting Championships, all the way from Manchester in England, in the UK. It is Jake Cross. How you doing, mate? You both well? All good, mate. All good. Chris, do you want to go first? Ask Jake the first lot of questions. Christ, where do we start, mate? Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> no, but it's, it's good. It's good. Um, you know, I've you know been into MMA since what uh, I think the first fight of Tito and um, and the Dell. And um, yeah, okay, I, I love the striking. I love the the wrestling, the, the Muay Thai, everything aspects of that. But what drew drew me in was uh, jujitsu, and I just found the love for jujitsu because it was just completely different to you know what most people were back in the day when they watched that they, they wanted the, you know the standing bang didn't they they, they wanted the, the knockouts but something always intrigued me about the chess match of jiu-jitsu the grappling side of things just give me a background of how it started for you and you know what brought you into the world of jiu-jitsu and the grappling side um i think it's the love of pro wrestling which obviously most of us if all of us are involved in this right now where are a fan of um for years it was kind of like just lo- love watching that week in week out and as i got older sort of late teens left school it was like what else is out there and i think one of my cousins just said i've seen seen this the ultimate fighter it's on i think it's on satanta back then um mm. on sky and i just thought oh i'll check it out i've heard like names rock about every now and then and i think it was tough five uh at the time nate diaz that won that and i just i think it's like 2007 maybe 2006 i thought oh this is something different uh, mm. And from there, I worked in Bury at the time, which is sort of like if you're northern Manchester area, it's like north of Manchester. Uh, but I was only 16, so I didn't drive. It took me an hour and a half to get there in the morning, an hour and a half to get back on the buses and stuff. Uh, and I, but I found a gym, but by the time I would have got home, it would have been like nearly 11 o'clock at night, and I'm leaving at six. Mm. So I sort of left it. And then just as I was turning 19, I came across a gym called SBG Manchester, so Straight Flash Gym in Manchester. And I trained there for more than a year, and unfortunately closed down because of some money money issues, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, that's sort of how it started. I just was always watching it for the two years where I didn't decide to start training. But by mm. then, I knew enough to where I was thinking, oh, I won't mind trying this out. And I think, yeah, like you, I wanted to try the, the grappling side, but I turned up on a striking night. And then by the end of that night, I was like, I want to go back and do striking, turn up the next day. But it was a grappling night and obviously it alternated. So I just kind of was forced to fall in love with both. Um, mm. Yeah, that's how it got started. It's interesting because, like I say, I find, I find jujitsu, like I say the word interesting, but I find that interesting. Just, you know, you've, you've got the greats that have come and gone and passed it down, let's say, to the likes of Marcus Almeida, who is one of the, the goats of jujitsu, especially you know, over in Brazil and the ADCC and stuff like that. Um, I still watch stuff I can on Fight Pass, what you can get, you know, you can get you know, given to watch, you know, the Sonnen's submission and, and stuff like that. And I'm always intrigued by it. And I find, like I say, it's such a chess match. And, uh, you know, you can go from leg locks to arm bars to armor platters to go-go platters. And I just find all that interesting. It just, to me, it's, it's more 
Tutti, I can't say the word. Tutti, I can't say. I can't. Tutti, Jack. <laughs> thank you. Thank it's you. all right. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no, I couldn't. I couldn't. I, could, I, yeah. could I probably didn't yeah. need to say that then, but yeah. No. But no. Jake, but no, you. I, Jake, I do you. Appreciate. No, but I find that things like that is just there's more to it, and I think it. it, it okay, when UFC first broke on the scene, jujitsu was the powerhouse because you know, Royce Gracie came in and blew everyone out the water in, in UFC one, and everyone was like. What is jiu-jitsu? Obviously, the guys in Brazil have been, you know, learning their craft and honing their craft in there. And, you know, they brought that to light over in the States and obviously come over to Europe. And I just, I loved it. And I still love it to this day. You know, I spent more time watching it and learning that way than ever getting off my arse and actually learning in a gym. Because where me and Stuart live in North Wales, there's not much of an opportunity. There is now with Azzy Thomas's uh, gym. But, you know, I'm 35 and I've got three kids and I... Seriously overweight now, so you're I, never I, I, too old. You're never too old, Chris. I bet Jake will tell you that. Never too old. Uh, 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 Randy always think he was 36, 37 when he made his debut in the UFC. And yeah, he was, was one yeah. of his first professional fights, so never too old. And like you just said about Azzy, I know Azzy quite well. I've known Azzy for over a decade. Mm. Uh, I went to shows at Colwyn Bay, that's when I first met him. Um, that's where, enough, that's when, where we are, yeah. England played the USA in the World Cup in 2010, I want to say. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I was actually in a pub in Colwyn Bay. We finished the fights that I was cornering. We ran to the pub near the train station, watched that match, <laughs> and then headed home. So uh, I knew Ozzy for quite a long time. Um, and also, I can't remember his, his full name. I want to say he was called Bobby, but I'll end up messing his name. Bobby Gaze. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby Gaze as well, yeah. yeah. It, was his, it was his mum's pub, I'm sure it was. The Maddox. The Prince, the Maddox. Yeah, that's yeah. That probably it. I don't remember. You, you'd, it. You know know it. you'd know it if you came back. Station. It was that oh, third yeah, street. I've got that right? Yeah, you yeah. down by the train station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, but yeah, it's, that's how long it's sort of been for me. But yeah, you're never too old. The, the gyms around North Wales now that I deal directly with IPC and Wrexham, um, mm. Jiu-Jitsu gym, Sukato, and like you say, with Azzy Thomas's. I think Bobby had a gym back in the day, Pound, uh, with Gaz Stallman. Um this, it's it's always growing, uh, and that's a good thing about both MMA and Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, well, maybe maybe when I can pull my finger out, I might eventually trickle myself down. Like, but I, like I say, I love I love watching it, and it engages me sometimes more than an actual fight. I know a lot of people, like I say, love the the knockouts, and you know, I just love the, the submission game. I, I love just how how some people are flawless with it. Say, Damian Meyer, flawless with it. Uh, you know, he submitted some guys that never thought could be submitted. Um, you know, we can go from like Fabricio for Doom, look what he did to Fedor, and he baited Fedor in with the triangle chuck with that. Um, it's funny you, you mentioned that because you mentioned the Graces, I'll see how they kicked off in 93, but there's stories where you don't really hear because they sort of obviously it was from Japan originally, and then it sort of moved over the judo. But when the Graces first got asked, Oh, teach us this, what's this new thing? They were quite naughty in the fact that they taught mistakes. So when competitions came up, oh. they were people were making mistakes against the Graces. So it was easy, not easier to win, but it was straightforward to win. And then people started to get smarter. So the Graces were very smart at the beginning. They're still smart now. Obviously, they've got the monopoly and a lot of it. Um, but yeah, little things like that, like um, how you would defend a triangle, but still by making a mistake, so they could set it up to, and then to the armband and like you said, the Omar and then a go go and stuff like that. But mm. it's, uh, it's definitely evolved. But like you say, styles make matchups. 
Yeah, they certainly do. They certainly do. You know, a lot of people would, uh, when we get to Derek Lewis and gone, I'm, I'm going to probably make a stinker of it because I feel that if it goes the way I think it'll go, it's going to be a boring fight. But we'll get to that when we break, yeah. break it down. Um, now, I um, want to know, like, for you, what was, say, when you're in a in a jiu-jitsu tournament, what was your go-to? Because if you've obviously, you can say you're in the mount or side mount, well, what would you aim to be, like, say, if, if you're going for a win here, and obviously, I know it can end in draws, can't it? If no submissions have happened between the pair of you, what would you go for? What was your go-to thing? Would it be an armbar? Would it be a guillotine, a triangle choke, a goka potter, americano? You know, was there anything you would naturally go for that would be in your head straight away, thinking, right, I know what this guy's going to do, and I'm going to attempt this straight away, or not straight away, but when you're on the ground? Yeah, when I first started competing, it was 2009, so 12 years ago now. And the first ever tournament I went into was Gi. And I've only been training about six months right now, which was six months training now to people is is a long time. Um, and the fact that you can, you can learn so much because it's evolved over the last decade. But back then when you was probably, it was still people learning. There weren't as many people on the mats. I got mauled in that gi tournament and I've never competed in gi ever since. That was September 2009. I just thought, not not even worth it. I loved the gi, but I was more of a no-gi guy. So, the, obviously, without the kimono, shorts, t-shirt, bare yeah, skin, yeah. what I do. But when I did compete, I because I came from the MMA background, I loved trying to stuff takedowns or if they were going for clinches, I was always quite strong, especially when I competed. I was probably competing around 62 kilos, which is around MMA's bantamweight. Mm-hmm. And that was walking in. I never cut weight for that. I probably used to walk around at 60. Um, so I was quite tall, probably about 5'10 for a 60-kilogram guy. I was quite tall. So they had to get under me. But I would say probably triangles. Um, either triangles from my back I was comfortable or mounted triangles because I would then isolate the arm um, quite uh, quite comfortably. But, yeah, that's probably what my go-to was. How, how would you have your triangle? Would, would you would you use the back of the head, or would you sort of use your Make the angle? Um, so I would you move your hips, don't you, to the sides? And... Yeah. So if you are, if you're, um, if my right shin, so the back of my calf is on the back of their head, that's the way I would turn. So mm. uh, my foot, my right foot, will be pointing in the same direction as my head. If you stay in the same space, sort of. The easiest way to say it is around the crotch. That's sort of where the, the where they can breathe. So if you turn it and tighten it up and pull the arm all the way across using just your like the bottom of your body, and that's sort of what you want to be looking for. Something like Anderson Silva did to Chelsea in, in the last couple of minutes, well, last seconds in their first about fight. Actually, five, yeah, so yeah. Funny story the about the the Wales bout that I cornered. It was a a young kid who was like seventeen, and he he, he was just he's he's like a he's like a brown belt now. The guy's legit as hell. Um, hmm. It's called Mike Woodall. I was actually speaking to him at my event a few weeks ago. Um, he just literally he was new to this, didn't have a clue what was going on. He said, "I've got a fight booked in Wales," and I'm like, "What? Like who's cornering you? Oh, my nephew." And, and his nephew was like older than him the way it worked with his uh, his, his sister and whatever. So I was like. Has he got any background? He's like, no. So I'm right. I, I paid, got the train down with him to, to Wales, cornered him. It was like an under 18 fight. So I had the shin guard and stuff. And I said to him, this guy's a wrestler. Don't try and head kick him, which was Mike's game. Um, straight away, head kick got took down. So I'm like, right, let's start from the bottom. So he got a triangle on, but he was just flush with him straight on, wasn't getting the submission. So I'm shouting, screaming at him through the crowd noise go to the left and he's just looking at me what, what do you mean so i'm like go to the left and he's looking at me again so i shout go towards the ref so he literally turned towards the ref and as soon as he did that he tapped out and that's literally the angle 
creates so much more of a dynamic rather than pushing down on the head and you're flush with your, your opponent. They can they can posture up easy, whereas if you turn and grab the leg, they can't posture, they can't do anything like that. Yeah, and you've seen that a fair few times over the years, and not just UFC, but Bellator and one that they do use the back leg, don't they? Come behind the calf, isn't it, and pull? Yes. Yes. Uh, that, that's, like I say, um, let's tell me about the history of your fights then. So how many fights have you had as a MMA fighter and as, as a jiu-jitsu fighter? What, do you have a record or did you... Um, yeah, like I say, it's, it's changed over the last decade. So, like, even mine's embarrassing now because the level of amateurs now would wipe the floor with people even five years ago, never mind ten years ago. Uh, the, the, the guys that I've got on my roster are, like, UFC-bound for fun. Like, literally, they would, they would put professionals to shame. Not just ability, but the way they carry themselves. Because the, what mm-hmm. I look for in my roster is professional amateurs they might be not be getting paid like professional because mm. they're still amateurs but they still get the ticket mm. deal but carry yourselves like you want to be a pro because when the bigger companies start coming calling you need to get shown well, that guy is good to use that guy sells ticket that guy can advertise himself um but in relation to me i think i i had seven mma fights i had six of what you would class now as amateur c but it was just called amateur back then where it was no headshots at all um and i, I had Two wins, a loss, and three draws. Because back in them days, if you went to a draw, at the time of the draw, it was just there was no judges. Um, right, okay. There was like two in the same day. So the first two I had were both draws. The second two was a draw and a loss. And then when I came back the third time, about six months later, I won both in the same day. Um, and then I had my last fight, which you guys probably know uh, from from wrestling, uh, is it a Volk. Uh, it used to be called Lava Ignite in Preston. Uh, where the uh, Preston City Wrestling do. Um, I had mm-hmm. March 2012 in the last fight then. I got TKO'd in the third round. I should never have been in there. The guy was a monster. Um, and that's what made my brain go, this ain't wor- it ain't worth doing this. I'd rather just yeah. promote. Um, and that sort of came full circle because two years ago, I actually promoted an event in Evoke Clava Ignite. So I've gone full circle. Right, okay. uh, that was... Wrestling-wise, I could never even guess uh, how many I've had. Uh, it's mainly between 2009 and 2013-14, and then I sort of retired and then concentrated on the promoting side. That so was what trying... my—that's what my question was going to be in terms of you setting up, you know, the promotions. What was the impetus for it? But you've given given me the answer there, Jake. <laughs> I can elaborate if you want. Um, yeah, yeah, please do. So. Uh, so 2009, I think competed like four times, 2010, 2011, I, I competed probably every month, every three weeks, I just was constantly on it, I wanted something to compete against, um, constantly. even if I lost, I didn't care, I just wanted to get in there and learn, and, and it took me a while to get my first jiu-jitsu wins, because back then, and it's sort of using the energy of how old school it was, and even though it's only 10 years ago, I was walking around at 60, and the lowest divisions were around 68, 70, so you're talking a stone, stone and a half difference, I had the technical ability, just not the strength, and I was always quite scrawny. So that's when I decided to bulk up a little bit of weight. So by the time I had my last fight, I was 73, cutting down to 66. So I put on nearly two stone for that. Um, but yeah, in my last year of competing, sort of the main year, 2012, I got invited to an interclub. It was only eight people, and I won that, and I was comf- and it was quite comfortable, and I knew that I grew a little bit. But I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, this was good, well-organised. I used to organise... Uh, pool teams from Ananda's pub when I was like 14, 15. And I thought, oh, I've put two and two together, that'll work. And I thought, I'll concentrate on my fight. 
and then I'll think about it. And when I got, when I just got, I pick. I had two opponents to pick from. I think his name is Kyle Obersley was my opponent, and I think it's like Chris Chris McDonald was the other guy or something along those lines. And I picked Kyle because an old teammate walked through him, took him down, just grappled him for three rounds, and I was at the time better than him. And I thought, well, for experience, I'll take this guy on, taking on to a headshot fight. The guy was just too strong. I took him down in the second round. He flipped me off like I was a fly. And in between rounds from a corner <laughs> team, I was like, I don't know what else to do. I don't really strike. My thing is to take people down and submit them. If I can't take him down, what do I do? So I was hmm. shooting for takedowns from like five miles away. Literally, it's horrific watching it back. I, I, I grimace at it. And literally, you hit me with like, I think it was like a right hand, sorry, sorry, right hand uppercut hook. And it, my head felt like it was in a fish tank. The referee stopped it and I literally came around two, two or three seconds later. I looked at the referee and went, thank God you stopped that. I had no clue where I was. <laughs> so that was me done. I was like, do you know what? It's not worth it anymore. I'd rather promote people. Do you, do you, um, so obviously, did you transition as a promote? Do you coach people along the way then as well? Do you do a bit of both? Yeah, so basically the only thing I've never done from Jiu-Jitsu MMA is ref an MMA fight. Doesn't mean I can't do it. Just that I respect them too much to even say, "Oh yeah, I'll nip in and do that." It's it's not it's not fair on them. They train and learn, and and I know exactly what they do. And I'm good friends with most of them out there. But yeah, that's to me, that's a bit of disrespect. I'd want to be able to mm-hmm. um, do some sort of classes to make sure I'm comfortable. That I've done jiu-jitsu refing, MMA judging, timekeeping, anything you can think of. I've probably done it. Um, in relation to coaching, yeah. So in the team that I was at, fighting fit Manchester after I left SBG. Um, I was sort of the one of the main fighters within that where I constantly competed. So I sort of brought through the next crop of fighters. Uh, I would go to fights, corner them with my coach, Martin Cahill. Um, but yeah, it was, I, I love doing that. I still, I think the last fight I cornered was around, maybe around 18, no, before COVID, about two years ago. But that was after a big hiatus. But I do miss it a little bit. You obviously did mention the SBG uh, Manchester. Are you familiar with the guys like uh, Martin Stapleton and stuff that were there? Or was Martin Stapleton not there? No, he wasn't at the time. So Stapes, I think, at the time was... I think he was just about to leave the army or around that time. And he was at a team called Team Cowboy and Aspinall, I think, around then. Um, yeah, Liverpool, so isn't it? Yeah. When I started doing my events, which were originally called Sub North in 2012... Um, I had my first one April 1st, 2012. Um, then around the July time, Stapes actually messaged me and said, I've just opened a new gym, uh, full concept performance center before he was with SBG. Um, I'd love to get my, my, my new guys, the good begin, beginners, on your next grappling show. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. he, I think they came on around October time. So that's when he first came into it. And that's when I first met him sort of personally. But yeah, I've, I've known Stapes probably not, nearly 10 years now. And top guy. Give him a boot up the arse for me. Because I'm chasing him for an interview, and he keeps. He's like, we get into it, and then we don't talk for about two weeks or so. So give a I'll beat uh, up the I'll arse uh, for I'll me. Give him a <laughs> um, right, let's do it. As the comments, I don't want to hog hog you all to myself. I. That's why I wanted you. That's why I wanted you for the first portion, Chris, to ask him about his background when he was competing. So yes, how was the first show back? I know you hadn't done a show since January 2020. So how was the first show last month back? How, how did it go? Did it go how you anticipated it to go? So um, so the last Empire was January 2020. The last UKFC was February 2020. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of 
UKC came back on July 10th and 11th, so the Euro final weekend, uh, which I anticipated, obviously the final's going to be there, I knew it was going to be that date, but and even though I was confident England would get to the final, I just thought, we won't, it's just one of them things, and then I said, knowing my luck, because it was booked in Wrexham originally, um, it'll be England and Wales in the final, that didn't happen, <laughs> Wales are poor right now, um, <laughs> so we've with that, it was a good build-up, and then around two to three weeks before, when Boris started going, no, we're going to extend uh, the restrictions to July 19th and June 21st, we started speaking to the council more in Wrexham, and they just started being a bluntly arses. Um, wouldn't let us do anything. Only 30 people in a venue. And we basically sent them footage and newspaper articles of all the Euro fans in Wales basically licking each other's faces they were that close. Um, but, um, I'm saying, look, if you, if you can have a, a thousand people watching the football in a smaller hall than what we're having, what's the difference? And they're basically just like, not our problem. So on 10 days notice, we had to move it to Preston. That was a lot of stress. Preston's our home anyway, for, uh, as for mm. MMA shows, um, just with my business partners, etc. Um, it was good, just a lot of stress. After we got to, when we got to around the co-main event on Saturday, it felt like we'd never been away. But it was a lot of work to get it to that point. A lot of um, work from us, the fighters, the police in Preston, the council in Preston, which were ace, especially on the short turnaround. Um, but yeah, that was that was one lot of stress. And then two weeks later, which is my shortest turnaround, which was last Saturday on the 24th, Empire returned. Even though it was outside of restrictions, the, um, the venue were still living in restrictions. So I had to sort of gauge that. Yeah, yeah, your look says it all. It was, um, it was, it was hard. It was, it was. My event, my empire events are family friendly affairs. So you come down, you weigh in, you compete. Your mom, dad, your sister, your best, whoever wants to come can just come and watch. It's only a fiver to come to spectate at my events. It's just an easy day. It's more about the competitors. Give them mm -hmm. a platform of what they've been training for. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't have spectators, so and it just spoiled it a little bit for me. And uh, the numbers were lower. It was just I had to get people to weigh in at certain times rather than just free for all, do what you want, enjoy your day. So that was stressful. Um, I'm glad that's over now. Um, the next event I've got in Leeds in August and then back in Manchester in September, they told me as long as Boris and Co don't spoil it, then <laughs> I, um, fingers hmm. crossed for you, mate. Because it's hopefully. I don't see August being a problem. Um, mm. September could possibly... I, I, I don't know. Um, we'll have to sort of see it. I'm confident for August that should be normal. It's just we've got to live event by event right now. What what numbers? What how how are they gauging it? How many are you allowed in at the at the buildings at the um, venues? Pre COVID, all right now. As as of now, because obviously the shows are coming up, aren't they? They'll be here before we know it. Normally, I would say I'd sort of between eight to nine hundred people. Most of them are the competitors, but I've said sort of I'll probably be sticking around the two third mark of that, where people mm -hmm. sort of come in, they compete, they leave, and it'll just sort of be a waves come throughout the day. So it's quite easy to maintain. Um, so yeah, that's sort of where we're at right now. Fair play, like this is what we don't think of. It's the logistics, isn't it, Jake? Hell of logistics. You know <laughs> <laughs> saying like your head was spinning by, you know, everyone just thinks like, you know, from the outside, like you just put the event on, bring the venue, but it's just so much to it, isn't there, from what you're telling us? Yeah, there's, there's anything you can probably think of, it's still not enough. It's 
for the MMA shows, you've got the the the, the bar. If you're doing a bar, if you're lucky mm. enough to do a bar, because that's how most people even try and make a little bit of money to make these even profitable, so it's even worth your time. Because a lot of it's mm. out of the world of the sports, whether it's MMA or jiu-jitsu, or it could be pro wrestling or boxing or whatever it may be. Um, the front door staff, security, um, yeah. warm-up rooms, um, spectators, hiring tables, chairs, barriers, um, everything that goes into it, and it's it's. MMA is a completely different animal, especially my sort of respect, because I have two business partners where I'm lucky that I can lean on them and they can lean mm -hmm. on me, whereas Empire is just me. And I have a really bad tendency not to delegate. I like, I like to control too much. And that's not because I'm a control freak. It's because if you're going to do it right, do it yourself. And that's yeah. sort of... I just like live by that. Um, and that's why... I'm, I'm, it's getting to the point now where Empire is an animal. Um, I have probably 60 staff on the day, which I can start to sort of lean on and delegate. But it all still um, comes back down to me. If there's a problem, it's it's there for me to fix. You like the younger version of Vince McMahon all being a white, Jake? Do you want to be referred to the the English Dana White? I've been referred to the English Eddie, well, the, the 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 new breed of Eddie Hearn, which I would, if I, if I make even a one percent of what they've made in, uh, or even yeah. their success, I'll take that. But it's more love of the sport and the fact that yeah. I don't want to do an office job nine to five for the rest of my life. This is something that I love. Um, mm -hmm. I've built up for the last sort of nine, ten years. Um, and so the, this, the, the world is my oyster. I've been asked to do events outside of England and, and, and Ireland, uh, which sort of the next step, maybe the next couple of years, obviously COVID put a, a pause to that. But yeah. we'll see what comes. The only thing that's part of my trifecta, which I want to do someday, is promote a wrestling show, which I know for a fact. <laughs> working behind the scenes is a different animal even to, to me um so maybe one day i might co-host with someone and just sort of tick it off my bucket list more more power to you mate and you know i, I hope i hope you do get into europe with it and uh, yeah fantastic chris any anything more to ask jake before we plug plug the upcoming shows he's got coming up i'd love to sports social podcast network